When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For Panther fans who want to keep pounding. For the war, 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 the all right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to the Monday morning edition of the Views from Mint Street podcast. Glad to have you, Rob Brown and Lonzo Reitzel with you on a, uh, well, it's a beautiful Monday morning. And as long as you're not talking about football, the Panthers get absolutely rocked by the Cincinnati Bengals 42-21 in a game that wasn't particularly that close. A 35-0 deficit at halftime, the largest halftime deficit ever faced by any Panthers team any year of the franchise ever. Ever? It was not. You mean ever like like and forever? I mean like ever, 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 ever. Forever, like, ever. Do you mean like always? Forever, ever. Okay. Largest That's- halftime deficit in the history of the franchise, 35 nothing. Uh and, and look, it, it's it's kind of one of those things that the game's over. I'm like, ah, tomorrow's podcast is gonna suck. And it does. I mean, it's not fun to get blown out. It's not fun to be down 35 nothing at halftime. It's not fun to come back after a game like this. Uh, but that is part of the reason I have told you guys all year long, uh, you know, kind of relax the expectations a little bit. Of course, you still want to win football games. Of, store, of course, you still want to be competitive. But since the loss to Atlanta, uh, this season is no longer about this season. Right. I mean, maybe it is for a guy like Steve Wilkes, but this season's not about this season anymore. This season now is about setting us up for the future. This season is now about looking forward. And so we're going to take a look at some of the little things that we have to look forward to. And obviously, the very first thing we have to look forward to, we had a switch at quarterback and it was completely expected. P.J. Walker, three of ten, nine yards, two interceptions. So wait, wait, wait. Three of ten. That means... Two of the three passes he threw went to the other team. That means 20% of his attempts were intercepted. 20% of the passes that P.J. Walker threw got picked off. 30% of them were completed for a grand total of nine yards, and the other five hit the turf. It's uh, It was not good. Now, let's talk about that for a minute because I know there were, you know, I was, for instance, cruising uh, the NFL subreddit. And I got a lot of folks that were talking and then just the general discourse of things. Why is PJ Walker starting the game, right? A lot of Panthers fans were like, why are we going back to the well with this guy? The answer is the dude gave you a couple of respectable performances. He outdueled Tom Brady. Uh, he went to Atlanta and we did not lose to Atlanta because of PJ Walker. The guy was the hot hand, but he was playing above his roof. He was playing above the best you could expect from P.J. Walker. And P.J. Walker finally lost the cool hand. At some point, even the hottest hands are going to die off, and P.J.'s did. You made the switch. You go to Baker. Baker comes in. It takes him a minute to knock the ring rust off, but then he settles in. 
that he gets comfortable, and Baker Mayfield ends the game 14 of 20 for a buck 55 and two touchdowns to show. And of course, you ended up with 21 points in the second half. We actually outscored Cincinnati 21 7. In the second half, the problem was ain't nobody in the NFL overcoming a 35-point halftime deficit. It's just not going to happen. So, you know, we asked the question, though, two weeks ago. P.J. Walker shows up after Matt Rule gets let go. He has a bit of a resurgence. Would it be possible to see Baker Mayfield do the same thing? And if we are looking at it, Baker Mayfield, 14 of 20. We double his numbers up. He's looking at a day where he goes 28 of 40 for 310 yards and four touchdowns. I'd say you're in good shape, right? Now, by the time that he really got in and started uh, his time under center, at that point, the game was all but decided. But Cincinnati had pulled off a little bit. I'm not sitting here saying that this is Baker Mayfield hitting a spot where, oh, Bake's back. This is the guy we traded for. We're in good hands now. But he certainly looked better than he did when Matt Rule was at the helm, and I'm willing to give Baker a second chance. Frankly, not that it matters. All right. <clears throat> let me let me clear my throat. Let me do this. We haven't got to do this for, for like weeks now. Baker! Felt good. Felt good. It felt really good. And and here's here's the thing, though. If... He would have been starting from the beginning when he came back from injury. Would the Panthers have won some games? I'm not so sure that they wouldn't have won. I think they might have been able to do that. Baker, you 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 wanted you threw some caveats out there. Yeah, but you know they were like pulling some guys and things like that. That has nothing to do with what the problem was with Baker before. It was an accuracy problem when he was out there. Uh, he was making some poor throws. He was throwing to the same place all the time. And that may have been the fact that they weren't running the ball. Not that they ran the ball a lot yesterday. But uh, I, I think the fact that the offense has opened up a little bit more, he's been able to sit back and, and watch uh, P.J. Walker do what he's doing and been helping him the entire time, which is really cool, something he didn't have to do. He's right there helping him the entire time P.J. was in there. There's a reason why Baker was picked number was the number one pick. I, I mean, he's pretty good, and I think he's being um, I don't know want to want to say too harshly judged because his inaccuracies were his inaccuracies. But you got a better shot of winning if that's what you want to do with Baker in there than you do PJ Walker. We pointed out many times PJ four string quarterback for a reason. P.J. Walker against Atlanta went 19-36, 317 yards, a touch and a pick, and that touchdown, obviously, the D.J. Moore big-time hole that was as much of a sling and a play by D.J. as it was anybody else. It was absolutely the throw-catch-and-play of the year for Carolina and will be in contention for play of the year for any team. There was luck involved in that. It was a shot to some degree. I mean, it still takes accuracy to get that ball where D.J. was able to lay out and get to it, Uh, but... At the end of the day, I'm not saying there. Let me rephrase that. There's no sense in looking back and going, well, would we have won Atlanta if Baker's in there? You won Atlanta because Deontay Foreman ran 26 times for 118 yards. You lost to Cincinnati in part because Deontay Foreman ran seven times for 23 yards, right? We've established that we are a team that if we are going to win, wins one of two directions. We win by running the football and we run by having a stout defense that really frustrates other teams. Well, 
well. Joey B went 22 of 28 for 206 and a touch. Joe Mixon ran for 153 yards and four touchdowns on the day. At the end of the day, what we would have done had Baker been in place of PJ the last two weeks is irrelevant. Defensively, we got our rear ends handed hold to on, us by hold Cincinnati. On, hold on, hold on. I thought the defense, and of course Rob and I both have said this, was the strong point of of the Panthers team. The heck happened yesterday? It was. I, I mean, is this more about um, Joe Burrow having a a really good game? Or is this a, a matter of the Panthers having a bad game? Is it a combination of both? I mean, Burrow's a good quarterback. He went to the Super Bowl last year. He's won a national championship in college. He's no slouch. But this defense has been playing up against fairly good teams and doing really well. This was a smackdown, and it was completely shocking. This was, you know, we talked about this on the show today. This was last year a point in time for the Bengals, where they kind of hit their stride a little bit. And and yes, we are looking for silver linings. We're looking for the positive here on the show, which is frankly kind of tough to do. Last year at this time, uh, the Cleveland Browns beat the Cincinnati Bengals 41 to 16. All right. An absolute demo job. Then what happened? The week after that, the Bengals came out and slapped around the Raiders. The week after that, the Bengals came out and slapped around the Steelers. They got beat by a very good Chargers team the week after that. They lost to a very good 49ers team in overtime the week after that. Then they beat a good Broncos team, a good Ravens team, and a good Chiefs team before they punched their ticket to the playoff, and the last game of the year didn't matter, so they laid it down against the Cleveland Browns. The numbers for the for the Cincinnati Bengals skyrocketed, oof, took off after around the midway point of the season. So, yes, this is a case of the Bengals, despite a 5-4 and four record, are still a pretty good team. The one thing I'm disappointed in, ultimately, is that the defense was up against one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the National Football League this year and did very little of that. I think we had two sacks in this game. That's not enough. It's not enough against an offensive line who gives up four to six a game on average. Uh, on the second part, you know, it's it's one thing to look and go, we got a real good pass defense. We got a great set of defensive backs who are starting to get together uh, and get healthy, right? J.C. Horn had himself a decent day on the year uh, or on the day. But let's not forget that Joe Burrow's an exceptional quarterback. You held him to 206 yards, right? The end of the day, 206 and one touch to Joey B ain't a bad day through the air. What's disappointing is the 241 rushing yards that you surrendered. You lost the National Football League. If you can't stop the run, nothing else matters, right? Joey B would love to have a game where he's only got to throw the ball 15 times because you rack up 250 yards. Well, that's basically what happened to this one. We reverted back to the Carolina Panthers that we were three or four weeks ago. And let them just run all over us. Joe Mixon, 22 carries, a buck 53, four touchdowns. He averaged seven yards every time he touched the football. Joe Mixon put himself in pro Bowl contention and took us out of optimism with the way that he treated us. And again, the sad thing is, this is a, I had genuinely convinced myself on Friday and Saturday that this Cincinnati team, a team that was four and four coming into this game 
against a two and six Panther squad. I had convinced ourselves that our strengths matched up really well with their weaknesses, enough to shock some people, enough to keep us within the spread. Well, the strengths are rushing 64 total yards on the day, and our defense, 42 points surrendered, including 35 in the first half, failed us miserably, and we looked like jokes on the NFL scoreboard yesterday. Yeah, you talked about last time this happened. Last time this happened when they didn't look motivated and they didn't look like they wanted to play, they didn't look like they wanted to win, uh, a firing took place. I wonder if this would have the same effect. Uh, Steve Wilkes is the interim head coach. There is no let's fire from him, but there are firings being made, and the Panthers are having a busy day today. We now know that there are coaching changes that have come down the pipe at this point immediately after that loss. Cornerbacks coach Evan Cooper is out. Defensive line coach Paul Pascaloni is out as well. Now, the cornerbacks coach getting fired uh, is kind of interesting right now, right? Because up until this game, cornerback hasn't really been a problem. We are stronger at safety than we are at cornerback, no doubt about that. But between JC and Dante Jackson, CJ Henderson has had a couple of big time spots. Keith Taylor Jr. has been okay. I, I'm not entirely sure why that was the move to to the point, though, that it almost kind of feels like this was a we got to do something right. Like yeah. we got to placate people. We got to do something here. And, and here's what you do. If you got to do something, you get rid of Matt rule guys, which is what he did. You got I mean, everybody's of, a Matt rule guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's but, kind of I the mean, point. You, you get rid of a couple more Matt rule guys and and you can kind of chalk it up as I mean, because that's what most people are. A lot of people are mentioning on the firings today on the national media that he got rid of a couple of Matt Rule guys. Uh, that way you can blame it on Matt Rule and not on yourself. Sure. It's still remnants of the Rule regime, and uh, we're going to weed that out and uh, you know and do better. Look, the chemistry here is, is very interesting because everybody on that staff is a Matt Rule guy for the most part, right? Steve Wilkes included. They're all Matt Rule guys. This was a staff assembled under and by Matt Rule. Everybody's a Rule guy. And the interesting part here, and this is this is why I'm, I'm kind of like trying to roll this around in my head a little bit, is that if Steve Wilkes doesn't get a job, whoever the next head coach is is replacing just about everybody, right? Like they're bringing in their own dudes into that spot. So you would think guys are coaching for and effectively playing for their lives right now. But Steve Wilkes, on the other hand, who is a Matt Rule guy by definition, uh, even if he's not OOU Matt Rule guy, Steve Wilkes is coaching for his job as the head coach and really his job with the Panthers. There, Some guys are going to get left on board, right? New coach is going to come in and go, there's nobody that can upgrade above who's already here. And I think Steve Wilkes might be one of those cats. But as far as getting a head coaching position, the dude is coaching for his life. And right now he needs to do whatever he needs to do to get a little inspiration. I was doing a job about three weeks ago uh, where I was brought in to kind of act as like a, uh, consultant for a a sports gig within the Greenville, South Carolina community. And I had a guy who was a manager and he came up to me and he's like, Hey, I, I got a question. He's like, what do, like, what do I need to do to get more out of people? He's like, when you're here and you're down here and you're talking to these folks, like there's a little bit more, why aren't they giving that to me all the time? 
And my answer was because you're too much of a buddy, right? You're too, you're everybody's friend. You're taking them out for beers. You're taking them out for pizza. Everybody's having a good time. And there's nothing wrong with that. I want a manager who, who wants to be on good terms with everybody. I said, but there's no stakes, right? There's no stakes involved. There's no, there's no pressure to do the job. If, if the, if you guys have a bad night and then the, the, the gig's over, they all know when they get up to the office, there's going to be pizza and beer like there is every other night, right? Even if they fail, there's going to be pizza and beer. And there's, I've never heard you chew anybody out. I've never heard anybody go, I don't want to upset this dude. I don't want to upset the manager. Steve Wilkes, I think, right now is trying to course correct that, right? Like it's been for a while that, you know, oh, you know where it is, what it is. We're in a bad spot. Steve Wilkes right now is going to walk into his coaching office today and go, anybody else not going to bring it every game, you can go to the unemployment line too. Because I am coaching for my life right now. I'm coaching to get this job and stay in the ranks. And if you don't want to be here, that's fine. I'll go ahead and get you out of here. We'll get you a nice little uh, termination package, you know, get you a couple of days of vacation, and you can find another gig. Steve Wilkes is just trying to lay the law down. The unfortunate part for Steve Wilkes, maybe not everybody else that likes the silver and blue, but the unfortunate part, uh, unfortunate part for Steve Wilkes here is that it's kind of too little too late. We are full tank mode now. There is no coming back from this. And certainly after this loss, the only question is now, what's the next direction this team takes? You're listening to the Views from Midstreet podcast, available where major podcasts are found on Stitcher, on Spotify, on iTunes, on Google Play, or for free on the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Grab it, search Views from Midstreet, click the little heart icon, and get yourself notified every time a new episode of the pod drops. So we talked a little bit about the coaching changes um, you know, Evan Cooper was a Matt Rule guy. He was a brought in specifically for Matt Rule. He was an OOU guy. But here's the other part, because a lot of folks initial thought, and I think it's justifiably so, was why the defensive line coach, right? Why the defensive line coach? You've got a good defensive line. Well, the last two games, the defensive line has seen 76 rushing attempts. Of those 76 rushing attempts, Lonzo, they have allowed 408 yards. That is over 5.4 yards per carry, including over six yards per carry against one of the worst rushing attacks in the league entering week nine. We have talked about how good this defense can be. The problem is this defense can be very good against the pass which is why Joey B got held to roughly 200 yards in a single touchdown, yet they still put up 42 points. We have been hot garbage against the rush really all year, but it's been getting it's been getting progressively worse over the past couple of weeks. Uh, it was a little surprising that Cooper survived the rule purge, the first purge of coaches after Matt and his guys went. No shock that that was a move. The defensive line coach lost his job over the last three weeks at this point. You know, it's it's sad, and it's it's obvious it's a glaring hole, so to speak, uh, in the defensive line, especially with as good as they are, the fact that they're getting run all over. But I am curious, how does this motivate the players to play better? getting rid of the coach. I mean, I, I get that you're trying to make a statement, but can you bench people? Isn't that a bigger statement to the defense or or whatever position that's lacking? You bench some guys and put some other guys in there? Because you're not worried about, as you pointed out, chances are winning is, is not going to happen a whole lot more, if any. 
So why not why not bench a couple guys and put some other guys in there and say, hey, these guys are allowing this to happen. I want to bring someone in who might be motivated to not allow it to happen. So how does the coaching, the coaches being fired, how does that motivate the team? Well, I, first off, I don't necessarily think it's necessarily about motivating the team. Like, yeah, it'd be a nice little byproduct, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. These two guys uh, were in a spot where they had their positions giving up chunks, right? You can't give up six yards a carry as a defensive line. You can't do it. And it's on the linebackers too, right? It's part of the job of guys like Shaq to step in there and make things happen. And frankly, Shaq hasn't been doing great. Neither the the, the linebackers as a whole have not been playing uh, exceptionally well the last few games, right? The last few games... Even uh, the linebackers, Frankie Luva was hurt. He came back, didn't really make that much of an impact. Shaq Thompson has not really been the guy on the weak side as of late. But the whole defensive front uh, has just been getting chewed up and spit back out. Uh, Again, if you're Steve Wilkes, it's not so much about motivating the team. If that's a nice byproduct, great. That's that's fantastic uh, if you get that advantage out of it. But at this point, you are going to go do what you need to do to make this team as competitive as it can be. And if you got to make a change at the line and give somebody else a shot at holding the play card on Sundays, then that's what you do. Like I said, it's it's kind of interesting doing this podcast today. Uh, it's kind of interesting doing this podcast today because on one hand, you look and you go 42-21, that's embarrassing, that's bad. But on the flip side... After the Elder Atlanta, I went ahead and told you, right? Get rid of the expectations. We're bad. We're bad. And we know we're bad. We're not playing for a division anymore. We're not playing for a wild card spot anymore. I'm not saying we play too loose. We don't need it. As Lonzo pointed out multiple times, that position's going to take care of itself. As of today, we hold the number two overall draft pick in the 2023 NFL draft. What you are trying to do right now, as I have said a number of weeks in a row, is you are trying to find the cats who want to be there and the cats who don't. You are trying to find the guys who are Matt Rule holdovers who are just there going, all right, I'm going to be somewhere else next year. Let me just get through this year and collect the paycheck versus the guys who genuinely believe in the direction of this football team right now and make the move to get the right guys in the right place at the right time. Uh, The firing is basically that. Right. These guys were I'm not going to listen. I don't know them personally. I'm not going to say what their work ethic was because I don't know it. All I know is the positions that they coached have been really bad the last couple of weeks. Cornerback has not been nearly as bad as the defensive line, but it has been very bad. And with Burns, with Brown, with Gross Matos, uh, with with the ability to call up on guys like Hayes Senior to step up, there's no reason we should be giving up seven yards a carry, especially to one of the worst defense or one of the worst rushing teams in the NFL. Uh, it, it just, it, it should not, it cannot happen. And they very clearly were not getting the job done. Again, I, I, I don't think we're going to win out. I don't think we're going to end up as a, as a, you know, nine win football team. But I do think what you can be doing, Lonzo, is trying to find the right guys for next year, the guys who want to be here to build that foundation. And this wasn't it. You know, I do agree with you that the defensive line uh, coach has been atrocious. Yeah. But at the same time, yesterday, unless I'm wrong, and I don't think I am, both Burns and Brown were hurt. And that's a part of playing defensive line that you're going to be hurt, you're going to be dinged up, but they're not playing at full strength. And, you know, Frankie Louvu has been in and out of the lineup. So I think you can look at some of this as 
as injuries being a part of the reason why they're not playing as well as they could. But you're halfway through the season, everybody's going to be dinged up. But uh, the backups should be able to come in. You should have a decent rotation in, on the defensive line enough to be able to stop the run. And it's just, it's so bad. If I recall correctly, uh, there was only one player off the defensive end or off the defensive line that was listed on the injury report, uh, the final injury report, and it was Amari Barna was the only player across the defensive line. Uh, Luvu did have the shoulder injury, but he went full practice on Thursday and Friday. He was good to go. J.C. Horn had the ankle injury, but he was full practice on Friday. He was good to go. Outside of that, uh, you know, you're right. We're halfway through the NFL season. Guys are going to be sore. They're yeah, going to be well. They were up. getting dinged up during the game, sure, and, and spending more time on the sideline uh, than you would expect them to be doing. Sure, and uh, maybe it's because they were getting run on so much, getting getting maybe so know, knocked back so much that they needed a little rest. But this isn't a one week problem, right? Like this isn't a one week problem. This has been an ongoing problem for us, especially. Uh, the last couple of weeks. I mean, Tampa was really the last time we looked all right, but we gave up 167 rushing yards to the Atlanta Falcons. And I'm not saying this to put you on the spot because I did the same thing. How many of y'all can name me the starting running back for the Atlanta Falcons right now? We played them less than two weeks ago. And are playing them again And are playing week. them to Thursday. Who can name me? I'm guessing, uh, I'm guessing you asked me Friday, and I still own them. Yeah, yeah. And that's a, that's a team we gave up 167 yards on the ground to. The Falcons averaged almost five yards a carry against us. That can't happen. In a game, by the way, in a game that was with the divisional front runner spot on the line, we gave up 161 rushing yards, 167 rushing yards to the Atlanta Falcons. That's not good enough. It's just not good enough. If If it was just this game against Cincinnati, you'd look and you go, okay, man, look. Every now and then, somebody's going to have a day, and Joe Mixon had a day. I was going to say, Joe Mixon is no slouch. He's a pretty good running back. For sure. I'm, not, I'm, I'm, certainly, not, uh, I'm certainly not arguing with you on that. He is a, a, a good running back. But the Cincinnati Bengals have been a very average rushing team on the back of a, at best, questionable offensive line. Cincinnati, after that game launch, with the addition of Joe Mixon, Cincinnati is the 26th best run team in the league. They gashed us. 26th best run league in the team. They absolutely in the league. They absolutely gashed us in this game. That cannot happen. That's why these moves are getting made. That's why we we are we are seeing the personnel groupings we've seen. That's why we have seen the defensive line coach be fired. I would not be shocked to see more firings coming down the pipe as Steve Wilkes continues to coach for his career. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, that performance out of Carolina yesterday, Sunday, if you're listening to this later in the week, that performance is going to get Steve Wilkes out of the job. He's not getting the job. If the t- I'm not saying I expect him to win the game, Lonzo, by any stretch of the imagination. But by word, they just punched us in the mouth and we let them over and over and over and over again. It was the least spirited, least enthusiastic, least uh, competitive Carolina Panther team we have seen all season long. And I got no excuse, no reason for it. You know, and when they when they showed Steve Wilkes on the sideline, you could see it in his eyes that that whatever dream that he had of of, of keeping this team 
was just slowly starting to slip away. And it would appear to be not a matter of talent to a degree. It's a matter of motivation. And that comes back to the coach. Now, you could also say that, you know, because Matt Rule started as the, as the coach, that a mentality was, was instilled in the players, and it's hard to get that out of them midseason. You could probably go that angle. But you know what helps that is getting a fresh new start from bringing someone else in. So uh, even if they play motivated the rest of the season, this one game hurt him really, really bad. It hurts Steve Wilkes. It hurts the, you know, the, the, the interesting thing, if you go back and you look at uh, the fan reaction, even just on our show, last week, there was a lot of excitement. Two weeks ago, certainly a lot of excitement. Uh, you know, we're, we're still in the division. We're a potential wild card. Uh, we have found our running back in, in Deontay Foreman. Uh, P.J. Walker season is heat mode. And, and and you could see that on the sideline, too, especially when they were going in at halftime at 35 nothing. There was no aggression, right? There was no spirit. There was no, no There was nothing to it. This team looked beat down, and it's the first time they've looked beat down, right? Like, you go back to the, the, the New Orleans game, and that team absolutely looked like it was feeling itself a little bit, right? You go back to the Arizona game, things weren't going well, and they still looked like they were flying around to the football trying to make stuff happen. And this week, they just looked bad, dude. They just looked bad. And I think it's at this point, it's going to be this point of the season that we circle and go, this is where the the the, the 2022 season uh, went full tank mode. And I, I think it has to at this point, right? I'm not saying you go out there and try to lose games. I'm saying you don't get over aggressive in the pursuit of wins anymore, right? You go out there, you execute, you find out who the guys are that are going to be here. You continue to let them make plays. You don't get guys hurt. Uh, you, you don't overextend yourself. You go out there and you get yourselves right for next year because this season is officially over. We are officially done. Uh, the question mark now is how do we start shaping up and figuring out what years next? I'm saying this. I want to see Baker Mayfield turn loose, right? Start, start start letting Baker call his own place. I want to see what Baker is able to do with his spot because, you know, if Baker is going to be the Baker that comes out and goes, uh, what was it, uh, 14 of 20 for a buck 55 and two touchdowns in relief work, if he comes out next week and doubles those numbers and goes for 304 touchdowns, do we need to draft a quarterback now, right? Now the second overall pick is a pick we can trade way down and add a lot of slots to the draft next year. That's all I'm saying. All right, the Views from Mint Street podcast is steaming towards its inevitable conclusion. My name is Rob Brown, the great Malonzo Reitzel on the other side of the board today. And we are obviously taking a look at what happened this past Sunday against Cincinnati. But keep in mind, we are on the short week this week, which means it's going to change not the schedule that we release pot. Uh, but the pod is going to be released uh, in kind of a different format this week. We have our regular pod today where we're looking back at yesterday's game. We will drop our pregame pod. That pod will drop on Wednesday like it usually does. We will record and drop that pod on Wednesday, and it will be our pregame pod looking ahead to Thursday night's matchup when we were back home at the bank against the ATL, and then we will cut the reaction pod to that game on Friday. The only thing this really impacts 
uh, will be next Monday's pod, which will, or, you know, ordinarily it's the reaction pod. This week, it'll be basically two midweek pods next week uh, as we head towards the Thursday night game with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, We then have the next game after that 10 days later against the Ravens in Baltimore. Uh, All of that being said, though, there's there's a couple of other things that have popped up, and one of them, we talked a little bit about it on our show, the Rob Brown Show, which airs 9 to noon. You can listen to that show uh, for free on the Odyssey app as well. But earlier this a.m., the Carolina Panthers activated quarterback Sam Darnold. So, your thoughts on that, and what's the depth chart at the QB look like this Thursday night? Well, they uh, also released Jacob Eason because it sucks for him, but you don't need him don't anymore. Need him. So now you've got you've got your three quarterbacks. I don't know. Is it going to be an open competition this week? Is that a possibility? I don't think it should be. I think it should be Baker as a starter. I believe it's probably going to be uh, Baker one, PJ two, and Sam three because he's coming back off of injury. Uh, Sam probably should be two. And who knows? I mean, we've talked about how they have nothing to lose, really. They're just trying to see what you got. If you're trying to see what you got, the shocker of all shocker would be starting against Atlanta, Sam Darnold. (laughs) Not going to happen, but it definitely would be shocking. I think you you have to start Baker Thursday. You absolutely have to. I think P.J. showed what he was or what he is. He's been sitting on the bench, but he's been – paying attention. He's been active. He's been helping. He's been on scout team. He's actually played defense during practice. And the funny part is, there was a video just a couple days ago about uh, a Baker trying to throw into uh, one of those uh, thing, targets that the quarterbacks throw all the way, all way across the practice facility. And uh, he completely botched it. And all these people were laughing and they were making fun. It got reposted a bunch of times. I didn't see that on the field yesterday. I did not. So I wonder if all those people were going back and deleting uh, that thing. Can Sam Darnold beat Baker Mayfield out in regular competition? He didn't. I get. I get that it's a. Uh, it's 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 a different leader in place. But he didn't before. I'm not so sure he can again. As long as he stays healthy, Baker probably will be your starter going forward. QB1, Baker Mayfield. QB2, Sam Darnold. QB3 slash practice squad is P.J. Walker. That is exactly the correct way it's going to list out. And I don't think it would, right? Like, at the end of the day, we've talked about it. you got to go hot hand. Yes, it came as relief duty. Yes, it came after Cincinnati and kind of called off the dogs just a little bit. But Baker Mayfield came into that game and performed. Uh, You know, again, it's not like it's – Nobody's going to be shocked into, oh, Baker's ready for the Pro Bowl quite yet. He didn't do that, but he uh, came in. Cincinnati couldn't stop him. Yeah. Really? When he came in, and again, Cincinnati was being less aggressive, less blitzes. They weren't doing as much across the line. It was pretty much a base 4-3. We're just going to get back there and do what we can and let our DBs do their work kind of performance. But Baker Mayfield did what Baker Mayfield was put in there to do. He did it well. He's going to be your starter on Thursday, but I think you're in the same position here that you were with Baker and PJ Walker last week, right? I think you come out and you go, here's the deal, Bake. It's your show. It's your show. And the moment that you blow it, Sam's coming back. He's activated. At this point, and, and, and this is kind of the interesting point in this season and any team any ha- has a season like this for them as well, 
there comes a point where win, wins and losses don't matter anymore, right? If you win a game, great. If you lose a game, who cares? Wins and losses don't matter anymore. In the grand scheme of things, what does matter is, are you earning yourself your contract next year, right? Baker Mayfield still needs a team next year because we are not guaranteed for him. Baker's playing for his starting job this week, his starting job all year, and he is starting, even if it's not with us, he is starting to try to earn himself a job for next year. So you go with Baker and you go, by the way, Bake, you know who else is trying to earn themselves a job for next year? Sam Darnold. And if you go out there and you throw three picks or you're planting balls in the dirt, in the dirt left and right. Dirt is a combination of dirt and turf, by the way. If you plant a bunch of balls into word. the turf. It's a really good word. I like, I thanks. like that word. Uh, Sammy D going to get his crack. One of the two of y'all is going to earn the starting job in the back half of the season. One of you two guys is going to earn the ability to go out there and effectively resume build, whether it's for us or somebody else. There's no more niceties here, right? Like when Baker got the starting job at the beginning of the year, I was singing a different tune. You go tell Baker, it's your show. It's your team. You earn this. Sam's not, Sam's the backup. He's not threatening your job. Not no more. Not no more. Matt Rule's gone. Wins and losses don't matter. Do you want to be here next year or not? If you don't, cool. Tell us now. We'll go ahead and sit you. You can stay home on Sundays. If you do, and you want this job and you want to be here like you said you did last week, then you better go out there and bust it and prove us that you're worth the contract because we don't have the ability to give away BS contracts like we did to other guys that we now had to ship out of town. Go out there and earn it or don't. You know, on last week's podcast, one of the things that we talked about was uh, PJ looking over his shoulder. I don't think Baker worries about that. I could get why PJ would be concerned about it, and obviously he should have been because he got benched yesterday. I don't think Baker Mayfield is worried about anyone behind him. And if he goes out and plays the way he did yesterday, by the way, a shout-out to another bright spot, someone who we weren't sure would still be on the team and barely was for quite a few games, Terrace Marshall. Uh, Catching the ball yesterday from Baker looked really good also. I'm glad you said that because, Lonzo, the next thing on the prep sheet, word for word, is why has Marshall been able to step up so much post-rule, right? And I think it's a very, very question. Well, you Uh, know, Rob, what it is 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 the conditions are such a thing where they're able to have more plays, so they're able to work in more personnel. That's not a direct quote, but it was pretty close. Terrence Marshall Jr. stepped up, had himself another decent day, uh, and and has honestly has continued to do so. Uh, he's been produ- uh, producing since he showed up a couple of weeks ago. Terrence Marshall Jr. three grabs, fifty three yards, and a touchdown on this one. So why did it take until now for TMJ to really start to to show his colors a little bit? And uh, I saw that exact question floating around on social media earlier. And the answer that somebody, and I love this answer so much that I clipped it and put it directly down, uh, at Knave of Knives said, never attribute to malice that which is adequately explained by stupidity. I think Matt Rule just bleeping sucked. Trying to rationalize any of his coaching staff decisions will just lead you in circles. O-O-U. One of us. Basically saying Terrence Marshall Jr. was not O-O-U. 
He wasn't one of us as far as Matt Rule was concerned. And so Matt never made the moves that would have allowed TMJ to break out. Heck, three weeks ago, I was leading up to the trade deadline going, TMJ is the next trade guy, right? Like somebody's going to be able to get value out of this guy. Somebody's going to get production out of this guy. Well, Matt Rule is gone. And would you look at that? The dude's putting up 50 and 60 yard games, putting up a touchdown a game since he took off. It's almost like if you don't try to be a college coach at the NFL level and you let the best guys go earn their spot, they're going to do it. Would you look at TMJ all of a sudden? Yeah, what a, what a surprise process of elimination. This thing was here, and now this thing is no longer here, and now this person is able to produce. And not just with one quarterback, because it, it, you could almost think that maybe he had a little more rapport with, with P.J. Walker, but uh, Baker came in and threw some big passes to him too. So uh, you were looking for a number two? There he is right there. By the way, I, I was thinking about this while you were talking there for a second. It just kicked into my brain something else too. Where did TMJ play his football in college? LSU. Who was the OC at LSU when TMJ was there making a name for himself? Joe Brady. Where was Joe Brady when TMJ got drafted into the league? Carolina. Carolina brought in TMJ because he was a Joe Brady guy. Joe Brady gets fired because he wasn't OOU. Well, why was TMJ in Carolina? Because of Joe Brady, which meant TMJ was not OOU. He was a Brady guy, and when Brady wasn't there because he wasn't OOU, it meant TMJ wasn't OOU. It meant that TMJ wasn't focused on or allowed to grow. Now that OOU guy is out of the way, all of a sudden, one of the dudes that was not OOU suddenly is a dude now. Look, it's real simple. Robbie Anderson was a Matt Rule guy. Robbie Anderson was gone because he didn't want to be part of what the new U is in the new OOU. The exact opposite was true for TMJ. He was a Brady guy. He was not OOU. That whole stupid damn fan club is out now, and TMJ is involved again, and look at what the kid's doing. Yeah, so there's probably no job out there where politics aren't involved to some degree. And we're seeing that play out in front of us as far as this goes with the one of us uh, guys. And um, I'm, just, I'm just glad that Terrace is starting to do well. I mean, that, that helps him out, whether he's still in Carolina or he's somewhere else. He's been showing that this is a talented receiver who you need that, to throw the ball that to. That touchdown catch he had was spectacular. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was spectacular. And it could have been, been using that the whole time. So now what do you have? And this is really the exciting part. And this is what's exciting about Thursday, right? There's a glimmer of optimism out of me on Thursday. Atlanta's bad too, right? They're slightly less bad than we are, but they're still bad. There's a glimpse well, of optimism. I mean, they did one in overtime. I agree. I mean, you know. Not, uh, right. But then I took, guess that would be the definition of slightly. Slightly better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as slightly as slightly can be. I got a little bit of excitement because... You got Baker Mayfield who gets to start at QB for the first time, non-Matt Rule, right? You got a guy who's going to be freed up a little bit from Matt Rule and his OOU mentality. But you know what Baker has now that he did not have when he was a starting quarterback the first time around? A number one wide receiver and a number two wide receiver and a number three wide receiver because TMJ was playing the role of number three wide receiver. Go back to the Giants game. This sparked on me a little bit. 
the week before the Giants, the, the, like two days before the Giants, Matt Rule got up to the podium. He was talking about it, and he said, yeah, Terrence Marshall Jr. is having, like he just had the best practice I've ever seen. Like he just had a spectacular practice. Know how many targets TMJ had in that game the next day? None. None, right? Because he wasn't OOU. He'll talk nice about you, but when it comes down time, he's not there. So he was working with Baker Mayfield with Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. DJ number one, Robbie number two. A Robbie Anderson that very clearly was not giving Carolina uh, what we expected him to give, right? So he's gone. It opened up the door for TMJ to shape up. He is now a bona fide number two wide receiver. Anybody argue that? No, Bueller didn't think so. What, what else it does in this spot is it allows the rest of these guys not to be fighting over the scraps of being the number four wide receiver. So now all of a sudden, you got LaVisca Chanel Jr., you got Shai Smith, you got guys that are have been fighting over the table scraps of whatever TMJ left after DJ had his day. Well, now I got wide receiver one and DJ Moore. I got wide receiver two and Terrence Marshall Jr., and now I got a three and a four in Shy and LaVisca Chenault that lets them have a little bit more defined roles. It lets them know a little bit with a little bit more consistency what they need to do to operate within, uh, within the offense. We are still seeing the benefits of getting rid of Matt Rule. And with TMJ stepping up the last couple of weeks with that redonk TD catch against Cincinnati, I think Baker comes in now with a way better situation than he did when he left a couple of weeks ago due to injury. Well, and the the other thing that you haven't factored in is when Chuba Hubbard gets back, you also have a one-two punch at running back. Um, I I think Chuba Hubbard was very much missed yesterday. If you had that extra guy in there to to rotate, I think it would have helped a little bit. The end result may not have been uh, any different, but at least it would have helped. So now having also having a one-two punch at running back, that's also going to open some things up for him. Yeah, you're not wrong. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's put this one in the bag. Keep in mind, our Wednesday pod this week, instead of being the midweek pod, our Wednesday pod is going to be our preview pod. We will break down Carolina hosting Atlanta in the NFC South Divisional Showdown. That one is Thursday night, Amazon uh, football, Thursday night football. What do they call it? Amazon Prime, Thursday night football. Whatever. That's where it will be a whole lot of thoughts out of the great one and I regarding these Carolina Panthers. Any final words for the people, Lonzo? Yeah, I mean, even in the midst of a beatdown, what could have been a really bad beatdown yesterday, we found some bright spots. Terrace Marshall Jr., Baker Mayfield. Uh, we'll see what happens Thursday. Yes, indeed. Listen, at the end of the day, we might be four and 13 when the season's over. You give me a couple wins over New Orleans. You give me a couple of wins over Atlanta, a couple wins over Tampa. I'll be all right with that. So far, we the only one missing from the trophy case is the Dirty Birds. We'll break that game down on Wednesday when the new pod drops between now and then. We appreciate you listening. Do us a favor. Share it around. Tell your friends about it. If you got Panther friends, family, or somebody walking down the street wearing a Panther shirt, make sure you share the love of the Views from Mid Street podcast. We'll see you back here on Wednesday, ladies and gentlemen. Keep pounding, baby.